Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. It is amazing uh, to get to be together today. Um, What a privilege. I never take it for granted that we get to gather together in whatever form it takes. I've never taken it for granted and all the more so. Um, I'm just so glad that we are here. Um, That we get to be in central London worshipping and praying and just being together. It's just so good to be together. Hey, Um, And a huge welcome from me also if you are here for the first time. We are coming towards the end of our series in 1 Peter um, where we have been looking at who we are. Um, as the church, as the family of God, as the sons and daughters of God. And just to say, if you are here for the first time, if this is your first time in church, full stop, I hope that this um, series just helps you understand who God is. And you also know that this is open invite. When we talk about who we are as a church, everyone is welcome. Um, So that is the standpoint that we come from. But we spent the autumn term looking at who Jesus is who Jesus is. Like that's powerful when we know who he is. And then we have gone into this time looking at who we are. And this was never just about an ego boost or something that would make us feel good on a Sunday morning. But as we just prayed and we were like, God, what do you want to be speaking to us as a church? This was about us strategically understanding who we are and all that we have access to. An awakening or a reawakening to our identity in Jesus who we are as his church. And the verses that we are going to come and look at today, um, I just want to give a heads up to the production teams, Dan Langridge and Michelle in the South, and our dear Eugene here. I got to the South as Stockwell service. And they're like, Joe, we haven't got your slides. I said, oh, I emailed them. Totally forgot to attach them to the email. So lovely Dan made them for me and then has sent them over to Eugene. So thanks, gang. Um, But in a few minutes, the verses for today will be coming up on the screen. And these are the verses that we always plan to speak on today. Um, But as events have unfolded, um, around the world, they, I, I have found myself just, it has not been easy preparation, let us say. <laughs> um, and I have wrestled with these passages and I have just um, sat with them. And, and, you know, the truth is that there is an intensity to what is happening across the world at the moment. And we um, are particularly aware of that intensity here in this nation. But the world has never, ever, ever ever been without wars or rumors of wars. It has never been without suffering. It has never been with one group of people um, inflicting injustice on another group of people. It never has been. And so there is an intensity to what we are experiencing at the moment. But this is how the world has always been. It is not how God intended it, God's intent was it for it to be this place of beauty and life filled with his presence. But as humanity made our decision to turn away from his ways and actually come to know a knowledge of good and evil, so the world has unfolded with suffering and all that that entails. And, and I, I think it's, it's mostly about power. It's about humans' thirst and hunger for power and a belief that power and wealth can provide protection. 
And when that power is in the hands of some people, it is wielded against others. And it actually inflicts suffering upon others. And after this series finishes, we're about to head into a new series that will take us to Easter. And um, it is all about King Jesus. Jesus who emptied himself of everything that he had a right to became human, was fully human and also fully God and used his power to serve others. When Jesus was here on earth, he healed, he forgave, he brought reconciliation, he made friends, he used his power ultimately to serve us when he went to the cross, to bring us life eternal. And then as we head out of Easter, we remember that we are a resurrection people we are a resurrection people. That's who we are today. The same power that brought Jesus back from the grave is alive in us today. The same power. We have power as human beings and we have power that is given to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we have a choice as to how we will use that. Jesus says the greatest thing that you can ever do with your life is love God, love people, love yourself. That's it. That's what we will be measured by. The way that we love God, love people, love ourselves. Jesus says give yourselves to this. Surrender your power to this. And we're going to have a look at our verses for today. And I'm actually going to read the couple of verses that come before our passage in 1, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5. And Simon spoke on this, these two verses, brilliantly a couple of weeks ago. But they, they kind of all come together. And it says this, oh, 1 Peter 6. I think it's 5. It's 5, but thanks, Dan. <laughs> it was Ephesians 6 that we will look at in a moment. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might raise you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of faith throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I'm actually just going to take us through these verses just bit by bit, really, as we're gathered around these um, today. Humble yourselves. Cast your anxiety on Jesus. And so I don't want to repeat Simon's sermon, but just to say, I don't know about you, but when I find myself anxious or fearful, it's about control. It's about feeling like I am not in control or wanting to have control. And it's about actually trying to make myself feel like I have that. And so I find it really interesting that the verses that the Bible matches with this are humble yourselves cast your anxiety to humble ourselves is to say God I surrender my need for control 
I trust you and your ways. I humble myself. I will not try and play God in this situation, but I humble myself to be able to hear you and follow you. And as I surrender my power and my need for control, and as I cast all my anxieties on you, I trust that you care for me. I trust that you care for me. And, it, you know, Jesus invites us to do this, but he doesn't just then do that to lull us into this sense. He then says, now wake up. <laughs> like, once you've done that, wake up. Like, be alert and of sober mind. Humble ourselves, cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us, and then wake up. It has been said God did not make us carefree to make us careless. And I don't know about you, but again, when I am anxious or fearful, I am like, I'm running around making all sorts of crazy decisions. Oh, I need to do this. No, no, I need to do this. No, 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 no. What I need to do is this. And I'm like, the anxiety comes from this weird divided mind. We can't think clearly because our mind's pulling us in all sorts of different directions. And we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And the Bible invites us in this space to actually surrender our anxiousness to him, to throw it on him so that we can discern, so that we can have an alert and a sober mind to be paying attention to what we need to pay attention to. To actually, when we're anxious, it, we're often like this is the space that we're conscious of. But when we are alert, the word means actually to be raised high. We are able to see from a different perspective. We are able to see from a heavenly perspective. We are able to see those around us. We are not just focused on what is going on here. And I say when I am anxious because there's no shame in feeling fearful. There's no shame in whatsoever. We are told that God is a God of grace but he invites us, he urges us not to stay there, but to cast them all are the things that would make us fearful and anxious on him. One of the ways that I do this is I actually name it. We don't have to pretend that we're not anxious and say, I'm casting all my cares. I'm not, I'm not anxious, but actually, God, I'm anxious about this, but I bring it to you. David has already mentioned to actually name the things that are on our minds, to actually name them and then surrender them and give them to Jesus so that we can be alert, so that we can be mindful, we can make decisions that are based on wisdom and not on fear. We can actually begin to see clearly through situations that we are facing and know how we are to respond both personally and as a church. Why do we need to be alert and of sober mind? Because our next verse tells us that there is an enemy who is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And I wish this verse wasn't in there, but it is. <laughs> Where it is? I don't know if you've ever seen a lion prowling. You might have seen it on um, like when we've watched world uh, wildlife shows, not wildlife shows, wildlife shows. I am no expert lion keeper or I am not an expert on how lions prowl, um, but I did some reading on it. And uh, a lot of the, this is obviously generalization. <laughs> I don't know how every lion works, but this is generalization. 
Um, but when a lion is prowling, a lion can't actually run very fast and they don't like to run very fast for very long. And so they prowl and they will pounce when they are close to their prey. <clears throat> they will generally when they're within 30 meters of their prey. And there's a sense that they rarely alter their course. They, they take the same course of action again and again and again. And when they make the pounce on their prey, they do it when their prey is not looking. Probably comes as no surprise. Um, but if they are not successful in the first one or two attempts, they will actually leave and go off and find food somewhere else. And I find this really interesting when it comes to this verse that says, be alert, there's an enemy prowling around looking for someone to de desire so the Bible doesn't leave us hanging there. Our verses then go on to say, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Resist him. We are told in other verses of the Bible, resist the enemy and he will flee. We have been given up to the heads up as to the ways of the enemy. We don't need to wonder what he's like. He does the same thing again and again and again and again. We're told by Jesus that he's the father of all lies. We're told that all he ever does is come to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. Anything to do with death and devastation and destruction is of him. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He then says, but I have come that you have made new life and life in all its fullness. And so because I am with you, you have the power to resist the enemy. We're told in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. I'll just grab my Bible. Oh, here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. Be alert. Stand and resist the enemy. We have been given, this is an armor of God. If this is new to you, you might think, what on earth is going on? There are mysteries of faith that we can't explain, but we are taught. And we come to know that God hasn't left us on our own, but he's actually said, it's an armor that we can't see, but it's a helmet of salvation. That we know that there is nothing that we can do to earn that God's presence with us. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all for us. 
There's the breastplate of righteousness. We are in right standing with God and our right breastplate is in place when we live the lives of holiness that he has called us to. It is the belt of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Everything that Jesus says is truth. To be buckled with his presence holding us together. It is taking up the shield of faith so that we can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. It is to come fitted with shoes that are ready with the gospel of peace. Someone prayed with me earlier and they said these shoes are sometimes like army boots when you go into the tough places and sometimes they're like dancing shoes when you can just dance with light and freedom but they are always bringing peace. Then, then it is with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with which we get to rely on. We get to find ourselves here. We get to understand. We get to understand the ways of God and the ways of the world. When we dig into this and we, we build, all, we sing it over and over again, I will build my life upon your love. To build something, you need to know what you're building on. So actually to, deal, to delve into that so we know what we're building our lives upon is what will strengthen us and enable us to stand, to stand, to be alert, to be watchful over our own hearts, to be watchful and alert over our own minds and spirits, to be watchful and alert over our church and our community and our city and our nation, to pay attention. Wake up, says God. Wake up. Give everything to me, but stay alert. I have entrusted you with this nation at this time. Stay alert. What does it mean to stand? When it says in our verse, stand, I think it just, I mean, there's so many things we could say, but one of the things is just to simply keep showing up. To simply do the things we have always believed in. The small things are the big things. To keep showing kindness, to keep praying, to keep working for good, to keep honoring others, to keep looking for ways of reconciliation, to keep praying at all, to everything that we've always done, keep doing it. Don't give up, we're told, don't give up doing good. Take a stand. I'll quote Brené Brown for those of us who love her. Don't puff up, don't shrink back, but stand your sacred ground. And there's a sense of that here. We're not, it's not bravado or it's not fear and terror, but it's understanding who we are. That we stand with Jesus and we continue about the things that he has given us, praying on behalf of others at all times. And then it says, you know, um, everyone is suffering. And when I read this verse, I was like, how is that going to help? That doesn't help me knowing everyone is suffering. And, And I think there's something about it that it's like nowhere is perfect. There is no perfect life, even social media or everything else that goes on with that. Everyone somewhere has something going on, whether that is personally or whether that is nationally or communally. Nowhere is perfect. And and we fool ourselves into trying to pursue this perfect life if we don't understand that. And I, um, I said earlier that the earth is is not as it should be. And we're told in Romans that it's groaning. It's groaning with childbirth pains. I've never given birth, but I understand that it is agony. But it is agony for a purpose. The earth is groaning in childbirth 
campaign creation and people and all sorts that is going on. We're longing for the day when Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. And all these things will be a memory and we will be with him forever. He is coming to make all things new. But in the meantime, we are in the midst of these childbearing pains where we are crying out to God. And what is his promise? Though you suffer for a little while, I will restore you and I will make you strong and firm and steadfast. He will do it. This is his promise. As we humble ourselves, so there's a promise earlier in the Bible that says, if my people humble themselves, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It's not the nation, it's God's people. <laughs> we are the ones that get to humble ourselves and pray. As we humble ourselves, as we cast our anxieties on him, trusting that he cares for us. As we ask him for the wisdom to be alert and of sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of sound mind. We understand the nature of the time and the life that we are living. And so we know that what we may be going through will not last forever. Whether, we, whether that is here on earth or whether that is in eternity, God is always, 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 always working to restore. Anytime anything happens, he's working to restore at the same time. He is a God of restoration and he will make us strong and firm and steadfast. And I don't understand, except from everything that we've already just said and we understand the world um, and we know what is going on and what has going on. I, you know, I wish we didn't have to suffer. I, 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 wish, I wish we didn't. We don't look for it. We don't glorify it. And if this is one of your big questions, I know when Liam Thatcher was here with us, he did some seminars on this that are on our website, Theology and the Goodness of God and Suffering and the Goodness of God and how do they go together. They're great um, resources to help us. We don't look for it, but we shouldn't be surprised by it. Don't be caught off guard by it. But one of the things that can happen through suffering, it's like a shaking and it shakes off what doesn't really matter. It actually helps us to remember what's most important. It actually helps us to remember what we're living for. Any kind of suffering, whether that is our own internal suffering, our personal suffering, national suffering, it wakes us up. I remember years ago when I was at Bible college, I, um, I went through a time when I was sat in these, um, these seminars and, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is too crazy. I don't believe this anymore. And I was a youth worker at the time and I was at Bible college and I was just thinking, this makes no sense whatsoever. I am so over this. I felt like I was stuck in a white box and everywhere I turned was nothing and everywhere I turned was the same. And I was like, I, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm done with this. And I asked these two ladies, even though that's how I felt, and I was like, I, I don't think I can believe this anymore. I asked these two ladies to pray with me, and they came around to my house one night, and they were like, Joe, do you want a childlike faith? And even though this was going on, I was like, I do. And they said, well, God is shaking off what doesn't matter. Everything that you've kind of added in, he's shaking off what doesn't matter. And what's left will be a childlike faith and I feel like God answered that prayer in more ways than one. Sometimes when I say it, I'm like, 
Uh, there's conversations that people have that I probably should be able to join in with in terms of like theology and Christology. And I'm like, I can't really remember it, <laughs> but I've got a childlike faith. <laughs> so I should scoop through my notes and see what was actually said. But I, that's what he did. And I know there will be suffering. There has been. Yes, it is intensified in global ways at the moment. But we have never known what's coming. And some of us will be encountering suffering in our own lives. We might be encountering suffering, whether that's through breakdown of relationships in family or um, health, all sorts of other ways. We know that that is actually what we will walk through. And I, um, I said, um, I actually shared some of this a couple of weeks ago at one of our Wednesday nights. And I said then, I never thought I would share it publicly. And I never thought I would share it on a Sunday. Um, but it just felt like it, uh, it was to be said today. Um, and so apologies if you were there on that Wednesday night. But, um, but uh, I know I've shared some of the story in the past. But for those, I know for some of us, we will have experienced suffering that comes from the breakdown of relationships or of marriage and we experienced this in my family when my sister's husband we discovered um, was having an affair and he had chosen to um, leave her and we were hoping for reconciliation and that's what we were praying for and there was a time when it looked like it um, probably wasn't going to happen and but we were still holding out hope that it would and I was sat in Parsons Green in a cafe and I felt like God clearly say um, Jason, that was his name, is coming back. And I was like, oh my gosh, and I wrote it down in my notes and I dated it and I was like, when this happens, I'm going to show everyone this note in this day and, it, and it'll be like, this, God said this was going to happen. And a couple of months after I um, felt that I heard God say that, we got a phone call to say that Jason had actually taken really seriously ill. And the next day he passed away. And so I was there thinking, God, like... You said he was going to come back. If I didn't hear you then, have I ever heard you? Like, do I know your voice? Like, what is going on? This wasn't, this wasn't how this was supposed to work. And about three months after um, uh, Jason passed away, I know that many of us will know here a, a good friend um, of, of some of us called John Payne. And John was the same age as Jason, and um, he was a, a really close friend of mine, and I know a number of others. And really sadly, we also got a phone call one morning, and John had taken, um, he had a cardiac arrest, and so we flew around to the flat, and his wife, Abby, and another friend of ours, Carola, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed that um, something would be done. And, and it, and it it wasn't, it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. And as Carola and Abby and I knelt beside John um, and we said goodbye to him, um, I was like, God, this isn't what we prayed for. This isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we were going for. And in the months that followed that, I was like, God, like it felt like such, um, it was so painful, not only because of what had happened, but also I was like, God, what are you saying? Like, I was going for the great story of reconciliation. Look what God has done. The great story of healing. Look how God turned this around. God, well, I don't understand. And I have so many stories in my own life and in the lives of people I know and I have heard of provision and healing and restoration. I believe that God heals. I believe that God provides. I believe that God hears my prayers when I don't 
Things don't turn out as I thought they would or I wanted them to. I don't understand it. I've surrendered my control, not in a way that I don't care. I've wrestled with it. I'll happily chat with anyone. But there's mysteries of faith that I will never understand. But I know that even through that suffering, even through not knowing what was going to happen, I have known the restoration of God. I have known the strengthening of Jesus's presence in my life. And um, this, I, I said I wouldn't share this on a Sunday, partly because it felt so precious. <laughs> um, and partly I realize you might not agree with the theology of this. So if you don't, I'm totally fine with that. Um, we're in a church. We agree on the main things. There's nuances. But a few months, well, about a year actually after Jason passed away, I was in worship somewhere. And I wasn't even thinking about him, but in my mind, um, I just, I had an image as clearly as I have ever seen anything of Jason um, dancing in the presence of Jesus, full of freedom, full of love, and fully alive. And I felt like Jesus was saying, he's with me. Jason turned his back on God when he turned his back on our family. I don't know what happened in that hospital that night, um, when he had that moment. I don't know what happened, but I trust, I don't know. <laughs> the truth is, I don't know. But I trust that we were entrusted with Jason to love him. And I trust that he has been fully healed and he has come back to his father. That he returned to the one who loved him most and that he came back. And I have I don't, like I say, I don't know, and I'm cautious to share it on a Sunday, <laughs> but if you can hear my heart in this, I, I don't know, but I trust, yes, I do believe that I hear God. I wish we had never gone through that as a family, but I also am so grateful for the ways that God has restored us. I am stronger now than before that. Other things that I have gone through in my life, I am stronger as I have met the presence of God through them. This is God's promise. So don't lose heart. Take heart, Jesus says. Take heart. Yes, you are in the world, but I have overcome the world. I am working on your behalf for restoration, for strength, and for sustenance. And we're told in the Bible that as we go through the difficult times, we come out refined like gold. You've probably heard it. I know I mentioned it in a talk in September. I think it was mentioned at the Everything Conference, but this Japanese art of kintsugi, where it's broken pieces that are taken Things that looked useless, things that looked like it was over, things that looked like there could never be any future for them, and every piece is taken, and it is put back together with this sap and with pure gold dust, and it is strengthened through the process, and it also looks more beautiful than it ever did. It, there's so much you can read into this, and there's something that reminds me of these verses in this image. We will be restored. We will be strengthened. We will be changed so that we are more and more filled with the presence of God personally and as his church, as we do everything in this verse, as we humble ourselves, 
as we cast our anxiety on him, as we stay alert and of sober mind so that we can make decisions with wisdom, as we recognize there is an enemy who is prowling around, who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but as we stand our ground in faith and we resist him here, here, in our world, and we keep on living the lives that Jesus has invited us to by his power. We can trust that God will restore and strengthen and sustain us. To him be the power and the glory. Amen. I wonder if the band would like to come back up and I will pray for us. Thank you so much, team. I wonder if you'd like to stand and I'll pray and then... Jesus, I want to thank you that you're here. Jesus, you're here with us. We're not just talking about you, but we're with you. We're with you. You are the greatest gift. Your presence is the greatest gift. Father, I know that we have prayed already, but I pray for those who are anxious this morning. Pray for those of us who are anxious that we would surrender ourselves to you, that we would cast our anxiety on you. And it may be if you haven't already done it, because I know we've been led in prayer, but you just want to name those things that you're anxious about. Just release the need to be in control of them or the illusion of control. Surrender to Jesus. Just name them, give them to him. Holy Spirit, would you mature us to be alert and of sober mind? I want to thank you for the gift of wisdom. You have said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Would we be a people who are so secure in who we are that our fear of you is greater than our fear of anyone or anything else so that we can live lives of wisdom? Holy Spirit, I pray for your strengthening to resist the enemy. I pray in our prayers that we would resist the enemy. I pray in our prayers, Holy Spirit, you have taught us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. And so we pray against the spiritual forces of evil. Would you give us discernment in ways to pray? Would, you, would we rise up as those people who do battle in prayer? strengthened in the armor of God, resisting the ways of the enemy over our own personal lives, over us as a church, over this city, over this nation. Father, I want to thank you for your promise that there is a day coming when all will be made new. And I also want to thank you for your promise that we can know your restoration here on earth that we can know your strengthening and your sustenance. It is not us that do it, but you are the one who makes us strong. And so I pray a trust that your mercies are new every day. We have all that we need for today. And we can trust you that the manna will come for tomorrow. And it will come for the next day. Father, we pray for peace. I pray for peace in our minds and in our hearts. And I pray for peace on the earth. Jesus, may these words light our fat feet and be a lamp to our heart this week. You are the one who holds all power and all glory. May we move and live and breathe in the power of your spirit 
this week as your church. Your kingdom come, Jesus. Amen. Amen.